good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, hit cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, welcome to Friday's edition of Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. This portion of the show is supported by Minnesota 350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, I'm here with State Senator Mary Kunish, and we've been celebrating for over 24 hours now. Thank you so much for stopping in, and it's a good day to be Indian. ho Oh, it is such a good day um, with the ICWA ruling that came out on Thursday, yesterday. Um, I think everybody I know, everybody I see in Indian country are just smiling, are just giddy with the, you know, the ringing assurance of sovereignty for our tribes across the United States, but also those those concrete protections for our families that ICWA was set up to do. Um, and now we, um, we can enforce them in the biggest, best way ever. Yes. And uh, I have to say, uh, we really applaud the Minnesota House and Senate and the governor for uh, just in case this went in a bad way, protecting us uh, yeah. with MICWA. Yeah. MIFPA. 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 Yeah, it's uh, MIFPA was about this time last year, I started uh, working on enforcing the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act. It's a mini version of ICWA here in Minnesota. And um, we were really concerned that that it was going to, you know, that the ruling would be contrary to what it did rule and enforce ICWA. And so we went through the MIFPA, Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act, and shored up any areas we thought were um, weak or deficient. We removed any um, any uh, um, any reference to ICWA because if ICWA were to have gone away and we had that in in our laws, you know, like it has to do this according to ICWA, it has to do this according to ICWA, and ICWA didn't exist, mm -hmm. that would totally have wiped out our Minnesota oh. Indian Family Preservation Act. So we removed uh, any reference to ICWA, um, updated things, and we're still not done. There is still lots of work to be done. In fact, um, one of the, the prosecutors on the Brackeen, Colin Brackeen case, uh, Fiddler, he also um, was going, uh, had a lot of criticism for the MIFPA Act as well. So we started working on that last summer, and I asked my, our researchers, our nonpartisan researcher at the legislature to go through and help me with that project. And then on the other side, the tribes had their lawyers and all these focus groups and experts looking at it as well and looking at how MIFPA is being um, created or, you know, uh, applied in Minnesota, how we needed to shore it up. And then uh, in January, we came together 
and merged all of our findings into um, the piece of legislation that the MIFPA legislation. And we had really good hearings here in Minnesota. We had a lot of people come in, both in the House and the Senate. Um, Representative Heather Keeler carried it over in the House, but wow. um, we also had uh, Representative Becker Finn and um, Alicia Koslowski over there uh, mm -hmm. enforcing it as well. And we passed uh, that that MIFPA bill um, in the House with um, with full consent in the Senate. We had one one of our senators would not vote for it, but we had um, bipartisan support, incredibly. And um, we, you know, I'm just relieved we don't we didn't have to to rely on that in the end to ensure those safeties for our kids. Well, I know your sister over the years, and I saw her in Washington, D.C. when this was being, uh, what's the term, aired or uh, uh, spoken on in the Supreme Court, and she was there. Uh, she must be totally ecstatic, too. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, so my sister uh, is now at the uh, out in, in D.C. working um, as the Commissioner for Health and Human Services for uh, – American Indians. But before that, she uh, has worked with um, tribes across the country. She's also been an a Indian law lawyer. She's worked with NARF, Native American Rights Fund, and helped them write their statement on, um, on ICWA. So yes, absolutely delighted. I think right now she's up in Alaska. So I'm sure they too are, are pretty excited. It sounds like someone else is excited there. I got to pick something up just a second. Yeah. Wow. That's that's uh, just a beautiful day. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, this is uh, less than, well, a little more than 24 hours since it happened. And uh, I'm just ecstatic, you know. Uh, it's interesting. We had a, a BIPOC uh, <laughs> a Supreme Court judge in uh, vote against this uh, out of the out of the nine. It's uh, it's not shocking, but it's sad. It is really sad because, um, uh, you know, the the protections of our kids of color, our especially our Native Americans, but also our African American, our Black kids, um, also had that kind of of terrible situation. But the one thing I really want to point out, I don't know if you've had time to look through the um, the um, decree at all, but there's one section, and I want to read this. Do we have time for me to do this? I'm not sure how much. Yeah, you know, we got about okay. three minutes. Okay. So in, in, in uh, part four, it says, often Native American tribes have come to this court seeking justice only to leave with bowed heads and empty hands. I mean, that sentence alone, and then it goes on to say, our constitution reserves the right for the tribes, a place, an enduring place. Oh, I have goosebumps wow. in the structure of American life. It promises them sovereignty for as long as they wish to keep it. And it secures that promise by divesting states of authority over Indian affairs and giving the federal government certain significant, limited and enumerated powers aimed at building lasting peace. I mean, this is just wow. incredible. And then it goes on to say, in adopting the Indian Child Welfare Act, 
Congress exercises that lawful authority to secure the right of Indian parents to raise their families as they please, the right of Indian children to grow in their culture, and the right of Indian communities to resist fading into the twilight of history. All of that is in keeping with the Constitution's original design. Now, can you even imagine that that is coming that is coming from Congress? Wow. That message, that affirmation, um it just it just blows my mind. There's so much good in there. There is so much good in that in that um that summary. So, I just think that um Everybody should read it. Everybody should know what 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 it says. I mean, that is the Supreme Court, the highest court of the lands. Mm-hmm. That is their opinion, and that therefore is enforceable. That was beautiful. Now, again, who wrote that? The Supreme Court or the Congress? No, that's the that's what's written in that the Supreme Court opinion, the response to um, to Holland Brackeen. It's right in there. Yep. Wow, that's beautiful. That has to be read uh, all the time. That was well written. (laughs) Instead of doing land acknowledgments, we should start reading that. (laughs) Oh, what a great idea. It really, that's no kidding. No kidding. And I was just talking uh, about land acknowledgments yesterday and uh, that uh, the land acknowledgments are for our white allies. We already know this is our land. Hey, we're here with State Senator Mary Kunish. We're going to take a quick break. You are listening to Native Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake. Stay with us. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. On Saturday, June 17th, Metro Transit is making changes to transit service within your community. As they do each quarter, they review and analyze their resources and ridership trends. These service adjustments to routes continue Metro Transit's ongoing work to best serve customers throughout their system with their given resources. A summary of the upcoming service changes and a preview of the updated schedules are available now at metrotransit.org. That's metrotransit.org. Unwanted sexting or photos, inappropriate jokes, even tickling or wrestling can feel like a violation. Catcalling, cornering, or groping, getting them drunk or high for sex, recording sexual acts without permission, hurting someone because of their sexual orientation, ripping a family member, a child, a date, a friend, a stranger, purchasing a human being for sex. You make the choice every single time. Sexual violence is many things. Make a choice. Do not do it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. When it comes to houses, disassembly is our game, deconstruction is our fame. There are some bucks for your project. Better Futures Minnesota is your contact. 
Instead of demolishing your home, let us take it apart by hand, and we can find the building materials a new home. Limited funds are allotted in 2023 for Hennepin County residents and public entities to make deconstruction even more affordable. Check out BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. That's BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Yes, they do. Hey, we're here with State Senator Mary Kunish, who uh, we love having on, and it's an extra celebrate. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to jinx this, but what a year this has been. <laughs> it has been a fantabulous year uh, for Indian country in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, not only has the legislation that we've been able to pass to, you know, support their sovereignty and the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act, but we've also been um, able to enforce uh, some treaty payments. We've been able to give the land back to the Upper Sioux. Um, we've been able to fund our tribes in ways that we've never funded them before. And in funding them, we bring them in as a partner in our state government, in our state state um, authority. So it has been really fantastic. I mean, we've We've created Indian education for all in Minnesota. We have doubled the amount of money going towards our um, our native colleges. It's Minnesota is a good place to be. And if you if you remember, just a few weeks ago, um, former President Obama was tweeting about, "Be like Minnesota. You want to see what looks good." Look at Minnesota and the New York Times, I believe, did a, a really extensive um, article about how this legislative session went. And I personally could not be prouder to be a hey, part of the Minnesota Senate. Last weekend, I was MC at the Wisconsin Democratic Convention. And let me tell you, Minnesota was brought up a lot by the Democrats of Wisconsin that we really need to be more like that. I had listened to all the speeches uh, and they even had a special guest who is Amy Klobuchar who ended the, the convention and came. Oh, in. <laughs> well, you know, and we need those federal partners. We actually need them to step up a little bit more and, yeah. and help us with this work at the federal level, especially when it comes to education for, for our kids. Um, the federal government has just been really negligent in, in fulfilling their responsibilities and their promises to education and so many other things in general. Right. I know a big thing was when I was in school, uh, Mary, and I think you, you know, teaching school and as you were uh, uh, teaching too, uh, that we were always getting, weren't getting funded for special ed. And it was just bizarre. There was the government was either late on paying uh, federal government or not paying at all. Oh, she's unmuting there. Ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, please. 
I know she's got it. She's done this before, but uh, oh, she's not huh, not able to unmute herself here. I, there I am. There I am. Right. So sorry about that. No um, yes, the the federal government and their lack of funding for for special ed and other um, areas that we need special ed, EL, and there's always been big promises without any um, real uh, follow through. And so once again, Minnesota did kick in this year and we are um, funding, we plan to fund up to 40% of education when it comes to special ed and EL. Wow. Yeah, that's exciting. And Haley, uh, that's a game changer uh, because the state has really been underfunded and when I was a kid, and even into my early 20s, Haley, Minnesota was, people came from all over the country to see how Minnesota did their education because we were, we were world, uh, world class. And I, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, when things were going down in education in a sense because we were underfunded, is that, you know, we still have the same teachers, we still have the same right. brand of students. Right. Why are we going down? Well, it's being underfunded, right, State Senator? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the class sizes went up and uh, teachers still had to do this, do, do the same with less, um, do more with less. And, um, you know, you and I both were teachers and the fact that I'm now in such a position to better fund education in Minnesota it really speaks through those years of teaching, uh, that experience, but also um, hearing the current voices of the teachers as they, you know, continue to do the best. And across the nation, we have a shortage of, of workers, but especially in schools, uh, well-trained, prepared, um, dedicated teachers. And so the best way that we can do ours, our best to, to fund those, those schools and the, the classrooms specifically, but also um, make sure that teachers can make a living wage and have, you know, have the benefit of the work that they do. You know, Mary, the, uh, I went to graduation. I went to graduation a couple uh, nights ago for Harding. And that was my last uh, in-person homeroom, Native American homeroom, when I wanted to wish them well. Uh, and then, of course, we when they were freshmen, we went into first uh, St. Paul struck. And then we went back for a day because the governor told us we better get back or we won't have health care. And then they closed the schools. And it was an amazing uh, thing. But that was my last class. And uh, just thinking of those and talking to some of the teachers they're warriors, the ones that are staying and working and believing in their job. And then we also have people that are really burnt out and that are leaving at 55 um, and leaving early. And it's a big void. So people are still leaving. Um, but we also got to give credit to the ones that are staying. My goodness. It's it's unbelievable what's happening. Hundred um, percent, absolutely, and I, I feel for those teachers that you know put in many years, but now you know in their twilight years are so worn out and exhausted um, uh, that they, you know, we just haven't been able to give them the kind of you know leaving that we would like to because of the um, 
you know, pensions and that sort of thing. Yes. Mary's uh, grandbaby's crying about that too. Um, Haley, I, I just think uh, we're trying to leave your generation in a good way. And it's really hard because not only Minnesota's coming back and fighting back with, a, you know, really putting more money into education, but we still have, and I know it affected you in college, you know, a COVID residue of uh, in-person learning and all these things that COVID uh, really mucked up for our, our students. Yeah, no, I know. And yeah, it was, it was, uh, luckily I was in college when COVID happened. So, you know, I was a little bit more used to the online version, but it was still really difficult um, being away from my peers and, and uh, academics and stuff like that. Yeah, we're, we're social people and it's like, uh, we need to socialize and, uh, and it's amazing. So we're still recovering from that state Senator is the hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's, it's great that we saw pictures of kids going to prom again wow. and, uh, these graduation, uh, ceremonies and parties. Uh, it, it feels like normal. And sometimes you're, you're a little afraid to say, oh, we're back to normal because you never know what's going to happen next. So um, really looking forward to to the good changes that all of the good legislation that we put together is going to produce. Yeah, definitely. Um, really excited for the future. And um, I mean, what's what's next next year? I know you have uh, a lot of parades and fun stuff to do this summer. Um, and, and a lot of work too, because uh, the bummer about being a politician is you're, you're somewhat always, you know, campaigning. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm lucky this time around, I don't have to get reelected for another three years. When I was in the house, it was every two years. And so, yes. Um, but you know, we still have parades and those are kind (laughs) of fun to participate in. Um, you know, you asked about uh, what's next. Mm-hmm. Uh, something really exciting that's going to also be coming out is um, uh, these new standards for libraries for incarcerated, uh, like in prisons and jails. Yeah. And um, I've been lucky enough to uh, participate in this national revision of the standards and uh for those that didn't know, don't know this, I was a librarian, a library media specialist for 20 of the 25 years um, I was a teacher. And so libraries and literacy are, is so important to me. And um, we just, I just saw the, the kind of the final draft of the report that we had. And there's so many good recommendations and acknowledgement about the work that we need to do to um, make sure that those that are incarcerated, and yes, they've committed crimes, some of them, you know, the most um, hateful crimes ever anyone could imagine. But, um, you know, I, in my mind, not having access to information and, uh, and the ability to expand one's mind is really cruel punishment. And so I've been really proud to be on that team, um, on that group, and the report will be coming out. And uh, from that report, I think we will probably be seeing some legislation that needs to be done. 
Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit uh, afterwards. Uh, we got another segment with uh, State Senator Mary Kunish and her grandbaby, Haley and me. You're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Life is a journey, and the Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas will help you get where you want to go. Located in downtown Minneapolis, this affordable two-year college provides free textbooks, a laptop, meals, career coaches, and a metro transit pass, making DFC the perfect pathway to a bachelor's degree. Turn your dreams into reality at Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas. Apply today at dfc.stthomas.edu. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's, Let's live, live and, and let howl. howl. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. I'm Patty Vasquez, and I'm thrilled to be the newest addition to AM 950's lineup, weeknights at 11 p.m. As a talk show host, comedian, actor, and writer, I'll bring you laughter and insight. Join me as we tackle important issues and empower you to make a difference at the local level. From highlighting talented artists to showcasing inspiring activists, we'll celebrate their work and ignite positive change together. So join me, Patty Vasquez, weeknights at 11 p.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hey, this is Robert Pilot. I taught in St. Paul Public Schools for over 25 years, and I want you to join the team and make a difference in our children's future. Right now, St. Paul Public Schools is offering hiring and retention bonuses up to $10,000 for a variety of teaching and classroom support positions for the next school year. Grow in a supportive and fulfilling public school setting. Limited bonuses are available, so don't delay. Apply at spps.org slash careers. When it comes to mental health, connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Whether you're struggling or know someone who struggles, see connections as comfort, hope, and joy. Like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, seeing your grandma. Together we can find ways to create a path forward. Visit cmentalhealth.org. Visit cmentalhealth.org. On Saturday, June 17th, Metro Transit is making changes to transit service within your community. As they do each quarter, they review and analyze their resources and ridership trends. 
These service adjustments to routes continue Metro Transit's ongoing work to best serve customers throughout their system with their given resources. A summary of the upcoming service changes and a preview of the updated schedules are available now at metrotransit.org. That's metrotransit.org. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Wow, they do good work and they've been doing great work for many years here all over Turtle Island. Hey, we're here with State Senator Mary Kunish and we're just uh, we're just uh, glowing here. At all the good things that uh, the Democrats have done in the state and the House and the governor. And now we've been talking about ICWA and how great that is. And then, you know, kind of a little bit about, about what's coming up, uh, you know, in the near future and what uh, people are, yes, yes. And what, people, <laughs> what people are saying. <laughs> well, I think, um, I think uh, we're, I think most of the people that I'm hearing from are very optimistic about this um, um, Bracken and Holland opinion. And again, when we I read about how it enforces our sovereignty, um, you know, I, I've just seen over the last six years at the state legislature what a difference it has made um, in, the, in the quality and the kind and the quantity of legislation that we've passed that um, are going to help improve the lives of our uh, Native people here in Minnesota. And, you know, there's that old Wellstone saying, we all do better when we all do better, which yes, it make it does. It, it is true, but we don't all do better when everybody does better. I mean, we still have a lot of very wealthy people and we still have very, very poor and homeless people. But I think in this case, when our native communities do better, our states are going to do better. The, the broader community is going to do much better. And so um, I'm really, I'm really optimistic about the outcome of this opinion. Yeah, you know, and Dr. Stately said Monday he was talking about uh, it, there, there is a, I don't know, of a survey or, or some kind of thing that when native communities, if you're surrounding a native community or in native communities, when they do better, everybody else in that community and surrounding community do so much better. And it just makes sense. And it's kind of what you just said, uh, uh, Senator. Yeah. And I remember, uh, you know, if you remember what uh, Malax Lake, a band of Ojibwe, um, what their community was like just a generation ago, like when I was growing up, they, it was, it was just terrible poverty right. and homes were awful. Um, the education the kids were getting was not, conducive to our kids. And so the dropout rate was terrible. The um, graduation um, numbers were terrible. And um, once they had the ability to open that casino and build, you know, create the kind of community that, that they wanted that supported them, 
um, you know, they reached out and cre- wrote, created an incredible school that was open to the public. Um, they wanted to put in a whole new water treatment system and offered the the city or the county, you know, like partnership in it, in it, and um, that community turned them down. And so they went ahead and built a really great water uh, treatment, and the rest of the community had, you know, a very crummy one. Um, but I think those kind of relationships, I hope, are changing as we go forward. Um, you know, we look at the missing and murdered Indigenous relatives and building those relationships with our public, um, uh, our public safety people. Uh, that's only going to help all women, all people that are victims of violence. And so, I'm really optimistic. I think um, I think we're on the right track. You know, and I was talking earlier about uh, going to the graduation and. Uh, uh, you know, I see some of our young ones really taking off in education. I see it on Facebook. I see it all over. And that, again, wasn't happening when we were young. Uh, that's right. something that's really happening and really excited about our our Native uh, brothers and sisters and that are, are out there getting an education and, and pulling up the chair. Because, frankly, if you, uh, if the three uh, le- uh, legislators and... Uh, our lieutenant governor were not in office, none of these things would be happening. None. Not, yeah, I, I I would agree. If 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 anything got done, I, that would have been a surprise. Yeah. And, you know, it's not getting an education doesn't mean you're turning your back on your traditional um, uh, lessons or your people if you move into uh, positions of, of business or wealth or education. It, it, what's important is that we're bringing it back to the community right. and helping everybody, lifting everybody up because when, when we do better, we do better. Right. And so I'm really excited about, about the way things are, are turning. Yeah. And again, excited to, to see, you know, I had a student and of course it had nothing to do with me, but I, I see her in the community. She dances um, she's graduating and she's getting, getting your college paid for and, 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 uh, getting all these, not grants, but scholarships because of how well she's done in school. Yeah. That's, that's just has to be applauded in so many different ways. And then, you know, we got people going into trade school and that's so important now too, because. A lot of these trades people are getting old and, you know, they're, the bricklayers are retiring every day and we need that. And it's a, a living wage. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's almost more than a living wage there. You know, if you can get into the trades and um, even th- with an apprentice, when you're an apprenticeship, you're still um, earning a, a, a really livable wage. And it only it gets better and better as as you get you know, more skilled in that area. And, you know, Minnesota just passed legislation and we owe it to um, the vision of Senator, um, uh, to the Senator, oh my gosh, um, Omar Fateh, who is the, was the chair of higher education here in Minnesota. And he um, passed through legislation to create free college education 
at our state colleges mm-hmm. for kids whose families earn $80,000 or less. Wow. So that is going to make a huge, huge difference. And of course, I um, have been championing increasing teachers of color and indigenous act, which puts a lot of money into uh, teacher training for teachers of color. And we put more dollars into that, into the different programs. So there are ways, a friend of mine posted on Facebook, um, uh, her daughter wants to go to to college and become a teacher. And where can we find, you know, dollars for that? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I sent her like three or four or five links. It was impressive of the kind of um, assistance it is for kids and kids of color to get that college degree. And uh, I don't know if you know this, I, I might've told you this, but Ogama, who used to do the news here for two years, she is in a program in St. Cloud state that's uh, paying for her tuition as uh, to be a native teacher. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's fabulous. Yeah. And, and she'll be, she'll be awesome. And she has two kids and, uh, and she knows her way and uh, she'll, yeah oh there's a little baby but uh that's awesome and there's stuff out there and and i'm glad people are reaching out to because there is if there's a will there's a way and there's a lot of ways now and again i have to applaud um you and our three representatives and our lieutenant governor because again if something if something happened for natives in a good way it would have probably been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> like they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you tolerating the smoke coming down from Canada, you two? Well, I know uh, yesterday I did not leave the house. Oh. Uh, Friday or Thursday was, pr- or th- Wednesday was insane. And I don't know if you know this, but Wendy was in New York at the oh. time when it was the worst air in the world. And then on Wednesday in St. Paul, we had the worst world air in the world, which, you know, it's sad because I do my early morning walk. We walk our dogs, you know, it's, it's part of my, you know, keeping active and healthy. And it's, it's really hard because I'm a former smoker too. And uh, I get a little sore throat and wonder what the heck's going on here. Yeah. It's, it's been pretty, um, Unbelievable. We had our farmer's market here in New Brighton um, the other night, the other day, and and I was, uh, I'm one of the originators of it, so I still volunteer there. And it was so murky and smoky, uh, it really affected the number of people who came out for it. So, and, you know, today there was supposed to be a big Juneteenth celebration Mm. at the Capitol outside. They canceled that. Um, So, yeah, there's. It's pretty quiet outside. There are not many people moving around at all. Well, it's interesting too because you know, jumping in my car and I've seen some people walking their dogs, and I'm going, they must not listen to the news. Yeah, because I can't even walk around the block without having a sore throat. Wow. But that's global warming, and those are the things. You know, 400 plus uh, fires from Canada happening and blowing down here, and uh, it's. It's the worst we've ever seen. I think 1980, they had uh, a big fire up in Canada and it was close to being this bad, but I don't remember that. No, I think I read somewhere that it's the 10th, it's 
It's 10 times the average area burned for this time of year. So like, um, you know, thousands of square miles that have burned. And, you know, I always think about back in the day when it, before colonization, when um, the ancestors controlled the environment through, through fire. And I wonder how did they control it? If we can't control it, how did they control it? So I don't know. That's one of those things. Unfortunately, maybe we lost. We lost one of those best lessons. Well, I don't think it was as dry as it is now with uh, global warming and all that. And I think the being able to control it, they were able to control it a lot easier. Now I've seen those fires in uh, California in the last year and uh, jumping over roads and crazy stuff like that. Uh, But hey, State Senator, thank you so much for coming on as always and checking in and, and, and joining the celebration here with ICWA and all the great work that you've done in our legislatures and our governors. So I just can't uh, thank you enough. Well, I'm, I'm just so fortunate to be in this place and time. So um, appreciate you getting the word out to everyone too. Right on. Hey, this is Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake and that was State Senator Mary Kunish. Up next, Wendy with our sacred animal section. Stay with us. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Your Blue Line Extension Project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line Light Rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and Brooklyn Park, and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. When it comes to mental health, making connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Connections can bring comfort, hope, and joy. Find ways that work for yourself and others like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, creating space to listen. Visit cmentalhealth.org. That's cmentalhealth.org. cmentalhealth.org. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman, one U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. 
And we're back to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! Oh, we got Wendy here howling, and uh, we are. Uh, I want to introduce my awesome and beautiful wife, Wendy. Wendy's been an animal advocate for many, many years, and she's been speaking about our sacred animals and advocating them on Native Roots Radio for oh, almost eight years now. So I just want to hand over the show to you and uh, say, Peeny Gigi, thank you uh, for what you bring to the show and bring all the way, all the airwaves across Turtle Island because I learned so much. Even on that one, um, what Friday was that, that it was uh, Positive <laughs> Friday and it was like, hey, these are all downer yeah, ones. They Remember downers, that a lot? I do. I should just find that again. It was pretty funny, though, because we were all like, look. The next one. We were all like, okay, this one's going to be a really good and happy one. And then it was like, oh, that's a downer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. And I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States. And I work on animal issues at the local and state level. It's always my pleasure to do that. Oh, Yeah, I got an email this morning at 10.05. You were still sleeping? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it's from uh, Dr. Maureen Hackett, who is the founder of Howling for Wolves, which uh, we really appreciate the support here. Uh, So here it goes. I'm going to just read the email that I got this morning from Howling for Wolves. Minnesota legislators... Turn its back on wolves. This is from Howling for Wolves. Dear Wolf Advocates, the Minnesota State Legislators Environment, Climate, and Energy Conference Committee excluded our legislation to prohibit wolf hunting and trapping from the final bill. The ominous bill? Yep. The legislator has squandered a historic opportunity to protect one of our most cherished, cherished species. We won't let our profound disappointment get in the way of our advocating to ensure the survival of our state's wolf population. The prohibition on wolf hunting passed the House of Representatives by a bipartisan vote with a huge margin of 69 to 57. The bill did not get a vote in the Senate. With only a one-seat Democratic majority, the leadership ha- was protective about what votes their members should take. As a result, the wolf hunting prohibition was excluded from the final omnibus environment bill. Our work at the Capitol highlighted the need for wolf protections to new lawmakers and the bipartisan House vote showed us which lawmakers are willing to protect our state's wolves. We are hardened to have so many allies in our fight to ban recreational wolf hunting and trapping. Our presence also showed the Department of Natural Resources how much opposition they will face if they propose a wolf hunt. Still, we know it will be a hard fight. 
The DNR opposed our bill, and they definitely had a seat at the table with the lawmaker, lawmakers who ultimately decided to exclude our legislation from the final conference committee bill. It's fair to ask why an agency charged with protecting our natural resources is so committed to leaving the door open for wolves to be killed for recreation. Last week, the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association said it would boycott its fall's governor's deer opener to uh, pressure Governor, governor Tim Walls to support wolf hunting instead of wolf conservation. This highlights the intense desire of special interest groups to kill wolves. Those who support wolf hunting equate it with wolf management, which ignores the basic biological and social aspects of the wolf that makes hunting them so dangerous and threatens their continued survival. While this is a setback, we put our wolf on the agenda going forward at the Capitol. We will continue fighting to ensure that the wild wolf survives long into the future. Howling for Wolves thanks you for your tireless advocacy. It's because of your work that we got this far, proving that your your voice matters. Your activism in this fight for state protections keeps the wild wolf in Minnesota safer. Keep on your your lawmakers and the governor to protect wolves by prohibiting wolf hunting and trapping and enforce poaching laws. Live and let howl, Dr. Maureen Hackett, founder, howling for wolves. So it is a setback and it is kind of like really all this work and that one, you know. So where where is it at now in a sense? So wolves are not protected or can they be hunted? Can the, well, they have a season? Where is it at until um, we're next gonna, year? We're going to check with uh, Dr. Maureen Hackett, but I believe that they can call for a, you know, a uh, wolf hunt. So who would call that? The DNR? I think so. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to check with uh, Dr. Maureen Hackett. Maybe uh, tomorrow we can have her call in and 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 give us like what's what's the next step? What do we do now? You know, we you know everybody worked really hard. Um, you know, I know a whole bunch of us showed up for Wolf Day. Okay. We showed up for yeah, we showed up for Humane Lobby Day, um, which mm-hmm. the Humane Society of the United States put on. Uh, Howling for Wolves put on Wolf Day. I mean, we had two really large groups of people going in and talking to their legislators, um, their House representatives, about the importance of um, you know keeping the wolf alive in Minnesota. And it all comes down to that, you know, just a little bit of voting here. And well, they... politics gets involved with what's mm-hmm. doing with the right thing again. Yep. Right? Exactly. It's really sad. So, again, you know, like it said here, um, we're going to move forward and we're going to keep on it. And we're going to keep on, we need to keep on our lawmakers. You know, I would suggest everybody call Tim Walls, our mm-hmm. governor, and tell them how disappointed they are. Mm-hmm. that this happened um, and that we want him to keep protecting wolves. And we don't want these special interest groups to mandate what's going to happen to the wolf in Minnesota. Well, I think he supports it along with uh, Peggy, yeah. uh, Lieutenant Governor, because he was uninvited to uh, the fishing opener. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's huge because of his support uh, 
for uh, the non uh, fighting or non killing of wolves, and mm-hmm. I think it was something else too. Oh yeah, gun control. Yeah, they didn't want them there because these sportsmen want you know to shoot stuff with the AR fifteen and yeah. blow it to smithereens. I yeah. don't know. I know it's really. Oh. I know it's a big mess. It really is. So we'll just wait. You know, we've gone through this before. There's always setbacks. Um, you know, it ebbs and flows throughout the years, and we just have to you know, move forward and keep, keep fighting and keep, you know, I tell everybody just figure out who your, um, you know, your Senator is, your mm-hmm. house representative, um, and, and just go and meet them, go right. and meet them, call them on the phone, tell them what you care about. Well, we have these, uh, democratic senators and, um, uh, representatives that are, I don't know, would in, in rural areas, I guess is what would mm-hmm. you say, and they're afraid to lose their constituents and lose a vote or yeah. or whatever. So that is really disappointing because, you know, we've been talking about wolves from day one. I know, for eight years. For day one yes. about protecting wolves. Ever since we've been on the radio, we've been doing that. Yeah. And we here we are, it's eight years later, and what are, we're in the same place. And mm-hmm. in some states like Wisconsin, a worse place. Yes. They had a terrible wolf hunt there. Uh, it was mandatory. People came out of the woodwork all over from all, all over the United States to come and, and shoot wolves. Yeah. Um, 72 hours, the quota was over the quota. They went over the 72 over. hours. Yeah. And yeah. it was supposed to be what, two it was weeks? A, it or? was a bloodbath. It was a literal bloodbath for these poor animals. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wendy, thanks for that update. That's important. Yeah. Because- it's a little bit disappointing, but we have to just, uh, you know, shake it off and move forward and just work on it. Keep on working on it. That's all we can do. Well, these updates are important, and I want to uh, thank the doctor for sending out yes. that email too, because uh, it's important for us to stay plugged in and and, uh, and keep on fighting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we'll have to get in touch with Dr. Maureen Hackett and have her yeah. on next week for an update. Right mm-hmm. on, yes, definitely. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you're part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops. The ground on which you stand on is sacred ground. It's the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group run for office, vote, protect our wolves, <laughs> and all those things. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier. Now. <laughs> <laughs>